Welcome to WWDD. She has been known for dishing out advice on people's careers for the last 20 years, empowering professionals every day. As one of the top executive recruiters, Depali Vyas has reviewed more than 100,000 resumes and interviewed over 30,000 executives from startups to Fortune 500. She knows what good looks like. Get the inside scoop on what would Depali do to land that next job promotion, ask for that salary increase, or build that rock star resume. Depali is unlocking her network of industry experts and entrepreneurs to help you learn their secrets to success the real way they got it done. Now here's your host of WWDD, Depali Vyas. We are here to build a community empowering professionals every day. Disclaimer, views expressed here are solely that of Depali Vyas. Thank you for joining me on episode 10 of the WWDD podcast. I can't believe that I'm 10 episodes in. I've had such a good time opening up my network and talking to some of the coolest guests and learning so much from each and every one of them. It's been obviously a very crazy time for us and I hope that everyone is staying safe and sequestered during this very stressful time. I hope that you are taking the time to take care of your emotional health as well as your physical health. And as you might be going out for a walk and putting on your headphones to listen to this podcast, I want to thank you for tuning in and welcome you to part two of my sports series podcast. We heard what it was like to be in the newsroom in the exciting world of sports with Kevin Nagandi in the previous episode. And now we get a chance to learn what it's like to be on the field in the highly competitive world of NFL football. But life after football can be very different for each player. I'm going to play a quick excerpt of a speech from my next guest before I dive into our live interview. Let's listen in. My name is Marcus Ogden. I'm originally from Washington, D.C. I'm going to tell you my story as far as what I've been through, the ups and downs, the curves and sway, to help you avoid my mistakes and at the same time, help you transition successfully with some strategies I'm currently using now in my everyday life as a motivational speaker. Be professional in everything that you do because I was not that and I lost everything. I played for six years in the NFL. As an athlete, I had an immensely difficult time transitioning after football. So I figured out that I was good with marketing, I was good with leadership, and I was good with people. So I decided to start a construction company. As the company started to grow, unfortunately, I started coming to work late. I stopped worrying about what was going to happen as far as getting the jobs accomplished. I lost control of my field and my office. We had mutiny because I was the one who was not setting the example. I was not setting the bar high enough for us to keep going up the ranks. I literally got down to my last thousand dollars. I said, you know what, I could become a football coach. I enjoyed it, I loved it, but I said, you know what, Marcus, you're not making enough money doing this right now because you're just starting out at the bottom. So this is what I did on top of being a football coach to support my family. I became a janitor. I made $8.25 an hour working the graveyard shift. You don't have the idea of the sleepless nights that I had. I was literally a week or two away from being homeless because I couldn't afford next month's rent. And I said, this is not gonna be my life. I have two choices. 
I can either A, blame everybody in society, continue to drink middle lights, pour on a Friday night, or I can get off my butt, take accountability and say, you know what, Marcus, you made the mistake, nobody else. People will respect you more if you take accountability. When you shift blame, society can't stand it. Transition is never easy. It is difficult to start at the bottom because nobody wants to hear what you have to say. I couldn't pay anybody to hear me talk. For 30 months, I didn't get hired to one job. I decided to write a book. It's called Sleepless Nights. That's my story. That's my best-selling autobiography. What that did was it gave me a platform and a leg to stand on that I deserve to talk in front of an audience. So now speaking in front of national companies. I've spoken for seven Fortune 500 companies in the last 18 months. What resonates with me about Marcus is he had hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, but he didn't let it get him down. And his leadership that he experienced in his growing up and working with the NFL really translated to his future. He's excitable. He speaks with passion. He's speaking from experience. He's wholeheartedly trying to make sure you do not make the same mistakes that he made. Leadership is a capacity to translate vision to reality. The best leaders can help others by action, not by words. Develop the idea of being a leader. If you think about it, if you see it in your mind, write it out, develop it. Ignite the idea. Passion from within inside will get you where you want to go. Inspire others around you to be great. And the fourth step, repeat. Well, the thing that I thought was very interesting was how Marcus was able to relate to his audience and engage them and kind of come from a common place where everyone would understand as opposed to speaking about himself and his experiences and not relating to the audience. There's a difference between ordinary and extraordinary, and that difference is just that little bit of extra. He's going to elevate everybody in that room. Everybody's going to walk out of there feeling 10 feet tall and bulletproof, but more importantly, they're going to have life lessons. I could have stayed down or get up. It's not how you get knocked down, it's how you get back up. That's the key to success in this world. You just heard a snippet of a keynote speech from my featured guest, former NFL football player, Marcus Ogden. You probably even recognize his famous last name from older brother and Hall of Fame football player, Jonathan Ogden of the Baltimore Ravens. Growing up in a single parent home with a father that inspired perseverance and fairness, Marcus learned how to define his values and set goals early on in life. He attended Howard University where he played division one football. Marcus then followed his dream and his older brother Jonathan's footsteps, eventually getting drafted into the NFL in 2003. Overall, he played for five years as an offensive lineman with Titans, Bills, Ravens, and the Jaguars. Following his NFL career, Marcus started Caden Premier Enterprises, a construction company in 2007, which quickly escalated to being a multi-million dollar construction firm. In 2013, it all crashed down around him when he got involved with a bad business deal and ended up losing everything. 
Marcus finally figured out that he had a chance to create a second career and became a speaker to help others succeed where he failed. As a keynote speaker, executive coach, and corporate trainer, his passion is to create value for every client. His list of clients include AXA Advisors, The Home Depot, JP Morgan, to name a few. Let's turn it over to Marcus and hear about his journey for his career 2.0. Marcus, welcome to the show. We are very excited to have you on. It's a privilege and an honor. And so thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Apollo. I appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We're we're living through this whole coronavirus crisis. So I think everyone is sort of physically distant, but uh, socially close. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. <laughs> right. We're living in an environment today where it's social distancing. And the most important thing is to continue to connect with people the best way you can. So that way you can keep business moving as best you can while you can't really go to the office too much. That's right. That's right. Well, Marcus, I am super excited to talk to you as a football fan and a football family. So I wanted to dive into a few of the questions that I had lined up for you. So one, you know, your your story is so extraordinary. When did you decide that you wanted to become a football player professionally? I played football uh, in high school through college. I would say that i knew I had an opportunity to be an NFL athlete my last year of college when mm-hmm. scouts started coming out and looking at me, the Indianapolis Colts, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Baltimore Ravens, and that's when I knew I had a real shot of playing the National Football League. Wow. And how much of an influence was your older brother, Jonathan, on you at the time? My brother was absolutely a huge influence on my life at the time pursuing football he had been drafted out of ucla in the first round top five he's number four pick overall in 1996 wow played my position offensive line was a huge boost to me as far as you know knowledge and you know insight so my brother had a huge influence on my life uh playing uh, in the national football league that's awesome was there sibling rivalry no, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to ask. Jonathan's amazing, so I have to I ask. No, no, that's okay. No, he, he's almost seven years older than I oh, am. Wow. So okay. we didn't have that rivalry, yeah. per se. Like a lot of players who might be playing today that are, you know, are going to be in the same age range mm-hmm. or you know, a year or two apart. We were almost seven years apart. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And as you know, you know, my show is really focused on the leadership aspect and really empowering professionals every day. So part of this sports series that I've put on, I really wanted to focus on, you know, when you made it to the NFL, tell us how important leadership was on the field and off the field for you. Jack Del Rio, who was my rookie coach, Mm -hmm. head coach, uh, who I knew from playing from my youth football. My brother was with the Ravens, and Jack was the uh, defensive coordinator, linebacker coach of the Ravens when I was my brother was there. So I knew him for a long time. And Jack always talked about leadership is the art of getting people to do what you want done because they want to do it. He got that quote from General Dwight D. Eisenhower, mm-hmm. former general of the military and U.S. president of our country. And that's such a powerful quote because leadership the poly is all about the actions you do, not the words that you say. Yeah. It's easy to talk a big game, mm-hmm. but it's not easy to actually go out there and do the action, do all the work. 
that is necessary to get the task and or the vision or dream you have accomplished. Yeah. And off the field, it was huge because, you know, Depaulie, when I left the game, that leadership skill and skill set that I learned from uh, Jack Del Rio and people like Jeff Fisher, uh, other great coaches and teammates helped carry me over into my professional career uh, as a um, as a contractor. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But when we talk about a lot of these young players needing that type of mentorship, did you have any mentors when you were playing in the league? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my first mentors was a guy named Maurice Williams, mm-hmm. who played Jaguars. He played as a tackle. He was there, taught me a lot about the game of football, about professionalism. He was uh, dating someone that he's actually been married to now since I've known him. That's mm-hmm. 03. Have five boys uh, together. Wow. He's a man of faith, big in church. So he was one of my biggest mentors to help me do everything as I was starting the process trying to, you know, get myself going in the National Football League. Yeah. And as an NFL athlete, it's well known that, you know, you all have a very extremely short shelf life, typically between three, three and a half years. So when I look at someone like Ozzie Newsom, who's had an incredible transition from player to front office executive, I imagine that takes a lot of hard work and grit. And knowing that you wouldn't be a football player forever, how was your transition to a career off the field? I did the best I could to realize that life after the game was going to be a lot longer, a lot more important. So I tried to do things during the off season, such as get involved in you know sports development, you know professional development. So when I left the game, I would not be at a point where I was always trying to scramble to figure out what was next. Now, of course, the transition was hard, mm-hmm. but I still was able to get things done because I had a plan somewhat that I was able to put into motion after I got myself together uh, after my career was over. Yeah. And, you know, I I read a little bit about your your book as well, which we're going to get to. But tell us about your journey on becoming a motivational speaker and coach, because it is, I think, a very difficult industry to break into. And it looks like you've taken very tactical steps. So I'd love to learn how you were able to get it done. So, you know, for me, Polly, it was so important that I started working as a speaker to get credence. And the way I had to do that was do a lot of free jobs, which mm. a lot of people don't want to do. Right. And that was really what I had to really focus on and learn is that in order to get myself in the presence of the larger audiences, mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of things that I didn't want to do or a lot of things those people don't ever do, right. which is free work. Right. So I took the attitude, like I learned from my coaches, Jack Del Rio, especially Jack, because when I was playing for Jack, mm-hmm. it was his first year as NFL head coach. Yeah. So I developed a plan and wrote down some things to execute. And part of that tactical execution was doing those free jobs that other people did not want to do. That's amazing. And, you know, I think a lot of people you know, don't realize how hard it is and how much work you have to put in. I think in one of your blogs, I read this incredible quote that really struck me. You can't have a million dollar vision on a minimum wage work ethic. And I loved that. 
And then on the flip side, people often say work smarter, not harder. So what do you think about that? I think you have to do both. Yeah. In the beginning, you have to work extremely hard because nobody is willing to believe that you are going to be a viable product. But yeah. eventually, as you start to work hard, right, and get success, you can turn that into maintaining a hard work ethic, mm-hmm. but then being very smart and strategic about how you do things. So that's what I found to be very advantageous is someone who has worked extremely hard in the beginning. I've had some success, but to continue to go where I'm going, I still work hard, but I also work very, very smart. By bringing the right team, people around me, uh, investing the right opportunities, uh, and just being really part of overall a brand where we are not egotistical. We're all about just helping people and getting value and bringing it to the table. And you've written two books now, and the most recent being The Success Cycle. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was it was so raw and, and a daunting reality to go from such a high to such a low and overcoming failure. I think it's important for us to, to understand that. So The Success Cycle talks about three major facets, ambition, drive, and hard work. Mm-hmm. Ambition is all about creating your goals, having a roadmap to achieve success. Drive is all about being inspired to make a long haul, real systemic change versus being motivated to go in a short distance in a powerful fashion and you burn out. Yeah. And the last one, hard work, is all about focusing on yourself and not the competition. You should do competitive market analysis, but you should not be focusing all of your energy on what the competition is doing. Because if you do that and you're focusing on them the whole time, you're not focusing on yourself, and eventually you will get frustrated and burnt out. Always playing, doing what I do, the comparison game, trying to compare yourself to other people that are in your space. Yeah. Well, Marcus, how did you land some of those big speaking engagements? What did you do after having you know spent two years of giving freebies, right? Uh, but landing your first big one, how did that happen? I ended up getting with one of my good friends uh, who worked for NetApp, he was in my inner circle Mm -hmm. because I trained both of his boys in football training. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, we developed a friendship and I told him, I said, hey Dave, I'm trying to grow my speaking business. Mm -hmm. If you know anyone that could help or it could be a a, a resource for me, please let me know. And I just kept working. Again, Paulie, I kept working. I was hard working. I kept doing what I was doing. And eventually... They came back to me three months later and said, hey, Marcus, I would really love it if you would come and speak for our company in downtown Chicago. And, you know, we're not going to pay you, but it's a great chance for you to get on your docket a Fortune 500 brand. And Uh, that's how I got my first opportunity. That's how I got started. That's great. And the tactical tip here is start with your inner circle right? It's, you know, you're giving something in order to get something. And that get something is the experience that you wanted in front of such a big audience. Correct. And your inner circle is your gold mine. And a lot of people yeah. don't realize your inner circle, they have the most belief in you. That's right. And they're much more likely to work with you and hire you and give you a chance than anybody else. Yeah, so they can champion you. Correct. And they're willing to take a gamble on you if it's a calculated risk. Right. You cannot come to them to, to risk everything for you. 
Right. But if you show them some sort of passion along with some sort of credibility and some sort of testimonial or what I call social proof, yeah. then they're willing to take a gamble on you much more likely than some other people or someone else who doesn't know you. Absolutely. Well, Marcus, how are you continuing to expand your experience and grow your career? What's next for you? What we're doing is we're continuing just to get out there and get in front of people. Marketing is the number one biggest thing that you have to do. Mm -hmm. If you're not marketing or growing your brand, then you're going to fall off the wayside. So social media marketing, networking, everything else that we're doing, this is exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. And we're really focusing on getting our brand out in front of people by doing podcasts like yours yeah. and being out in front of people and just continue to grow the brand to the level that we need to grow it. And always remembering that hard work is going to be the foundation. Yes, you have to have ambition. Because most people that are successful or people that are trying to they have ambition. They have goals to some degree. They're yeah. driven because they're continuing to press forward in their relation in their relationship yeah. but what happens is get the hard work aspect because it's it's like they have to really remember it's a 95 hour work week it's not a nine to five yeah that's one of the most tactically forgotten action steps people either forget mm -hmm. or not willing to do yeah it, it's not a nine to five entrepreneur or trying to be a great leader it's a 95 hour work week and I appreciate the support in you coming on the show and likewise being able to support another entrepreneur, another person that is trying to reach a broader audience. It's always good to pay it forward. You know, getting a little oh, bit li lighter in the conversation, who is your favorite sports star? Oh, always for me, it's been Ray Lewis. Oh, uh, you know, of course. Getting to know him, he became a teammate of mine. Yeah, but Ray Lewis was autumn was awesome was on the field, off the field, and he was a champion. And I got to know personally, play against, block against, hit, watch, you know, in motion, and it was awesome to have him as a teammate and somebody that I was able to put on pads with and go to war with. And he was just a great all-around guy. So by far, Ray Lewis was my number one sports, you know, sports star icon. You know that I either have met and or have not. Met. So cool. And, you know, his passion and his energy comes across all the time. And when we watch him on TV, he's still just as passionate about it as if he was on the field. So I can see why he would be your favorite. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what, I, this is what I've always told everybody. If you're going to play a sport and you're going to be a fan of sports in general, you have to have passion in what you do. And if you don't have passion then don't even bother doing because it's going to come out that you really aren't passionate about it. And eventually you're, you're, you're going to be seen as a fraud or unauthentic. Yeah. And that's when it's going to be the beginning of the end. Yeah. Well, look, tell me seriously, who is the better athlete in your family? You or your brother? Better athlete. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, well, no, let me go back. Better athlete. I'm a better athlete. Okay. He's a better player because. He, you know, for the way he puts these done things, he's a better football player. But as far as athletes play football, basketball, other sports, and be athletic, that would be me. Oh, wow. All right. So Mar Marcus versus Jonathan on, on the athletic scale. This is great. Well, Marcus, thank you so much. This has been really, really enjoyable. And I think, again, the premise of our show is the tactical how you're able to get things done. And I think reading your blogs 
uh, your book, The Success Cycle, and other insights that you've shared with us is going to be so wonderfully accepted by our audience who is looking to do something different or maybe be empowered to even take a different uh, type of approach in their current role. So uh, I appreciate it and I appreciate you being on the show. So Polly, I appreciate you as well. And I'm going I'm to close with this. People have to create real value before they pitch someone. Mm-hmm. And here's a five-step tactical execution strategy you can put into your business and to your everyday life to help you persuade people to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Number one is show them your character at the highest level. Number two, have emotion behind what you do and what you say, and they can see that you're serious and sincere. Yeah. Three is always have them and have it give them a good reason to hire you because you're going to help bring value to them more than anybody else. Four, speak to them in metaphors that they can understand. And five, be concise. People do not have time to wait. We talk about that in the book. It's important that you have a strategic plan, but have a tactical strategy that you execute at the highest level to get where you want to go. That's absolutely wonderful advice that a lot of the audience is looking for. And I myself have learned so much from you as well. So thank you for being so inspiring, so passionate. Uh, I'm going to keep learning from you and making sure that I keep tabs on you as you continue expanding your career, Marcus. Polly, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. It was a fantastic time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I have to say that I'm lucky enough to add a part three to this sports series of my podcast. I'm adding a woman into this sports mix and interviewing a New York City-based female sports reporter and studio host. Not only is she a reporter for Sports Illustrated and for the New York Giants, but she's also a contributor to MLB.com. She hosted content for the Bleacher Report and covered college football for Fox. Stay tuned as I round out my sports series with Madeline Burke. She's a blast to talk to with her California roots and her West Coast vibes with an East Coast hustle. But before we end the show, I wanted to answer a few rapid fire questions in my Ask the Recruiter segment that uh, have come into my inbox recently. So let's start with number one. Uh, They ask, how do I politely reject an interview request from a recruiter? i.e. when I contact when I was contacted through LinkedIn. Well, I would say you can tell them that you're not interested in considering other opportunities at this time. However, you would be happy to keep in touch. Most recruiters appreciate being referred to someone within your network that can be a fit for the role. And chances are the recruiter wants to get to know you better. So even if you might not be interested in this particular opportunity or interview, they want to know what makes you tick so that they can come back with more creative ideas. Creating a strong rapport with a few recruiters can help tremendously for when you are ready to look. Opportunities come knocking when you're not always looking. Therefore, having an open dialogue with the recruiter you trust may lead to something that continues to help you be well networked within your industry. Paying it forward with a recruiter goes a long way when you're ready to be on the receiving end. So uh, keep that in mind. Another question, when can one follow up after submitting a job interview assignment? Well, normally I would say that, you know, probably want to suggest checking in if there's been radio silence for two weeks. 
drop the person a note and say that you want to check in for feedback and if there's any additional information you can provide that can be helpful and be sure to ask if you can give if they can give you any guidance on when you might be expecting feedback however if too much time passes chances are there's no news and it probably means they're passing unless they've given you guidance in the interview process timeline but definitely don't be afraid to check in and close the loop next question What is to be done after a rejection on an on-campus interview? All right. Well, I would suggest continue networking through your alumni networks and LinkedIn. Reaching out to people within your network will eventually result in additional conversations and introductions. This will show tenacity and resourcefulness. So best of luck and, and keep at it. Last question. So you have an hour interview with the CEO of a company you admire and you always wanted to work there. What would you do to convince him or her that you are what the company needs and get that job offer? All right. So I would say don't just do a typical thank you follow up email. Try to give them something more substantial in the form of thought leadership material you might have authored or even a business plan. People who go above and beyond to show genuine interest in the company by contributing ideas as a follow up can be viewed as passionate and proactive. You've already had the meeting with the CEO and based on that rapport, you should gauge the level of interest that they would have in receiving additional material from you. So if I understood your question correctly, you've had the interview and you really want to get the job. These are some of the follow-ups that I would recommend. So best of luck. Okay, so that concludes our Ask the Recruiter segment in rapid fire fashion. I want to thank everyone that's been sending in questions. Please keep them coming. Do you have a question for the recruiter or want to feature your company on the podcast? Send me a note at wwdpodcast at gmail.com and I might be able to help. Also, if you found any of this advice helpful, I want to hear from you about it. You can tweet me at depoly 724 or call and leave me a voicemail at 914-714-5330. I might even play your voicemail on the show. Finally, I would love it if you would please subscribe because it's free. And after all, who doesn't love anything free and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts. This really helps people find the show and it means that I can help more people. And you know, it just spreads goodness all around. Please stay tuned for a great lineup of guests, including media personalities, rock star doctors, sports stars, amazing entrepreneurs, and more. I'm going to try to do a series like the one that I did on crypto and sports so we can learn from different perspectives. I'm working on something super unique that I think everyone will enjoy, like my upcoming wisdom series. I'm going deep into my Rolodex and bringing some of the smartest and more importantly, wisest people that I've come across in all kinds of industries. And so I'd love for them to shed some wisdom on us all. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. I'm Deepali Vyas. Thanks for listening.